0: Hey, it's Nikki. If you're tuning into this podcast, chances are high that you experience at least occasional moments of overwhelm, resistance, lack of inspiration, and general WTF, can I even do this? Moments. Yes? Well, I made something for you. It's called the Naptime Empire Survival Guide, an email and audio series specifically curated to help you shift out of overwhelm, comparison, hiding in the bathroom, and back into inspired aligned action. We're talking unfiltered stories and insights from entrepreneurial moms who get this life, plus tried and tested tools to use when your brain is full, your energy is drained, and you could use some help getting your spark back. It's all delivered right to your inbox, organized neatly in emails that you can store up for a rainy day and come back to as often as you need to. As a fun bonus, you'll also get an invite to join my private Facebook community so you can get behind-the-scenes scoop on the Naptime Empires book and first dibs on my most recent offers as they come to life. Visit naptimeempires.com slash guide to secure your copy, and I'll meet you in your inbox. All right, now back to the episode. You're listening to the Naptime Empires podcast with my mom, Nikki Ellidge-Brown. Mom, your show's on. Thanks, bud. I got it from here. Welcome to the Naptime Empires podcast, refreshingly honest conversations on the realities of parenthood and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Nikki Elledge Brown. Let's get started. Jenna Jaffe is a mom to two reciprocal IVF babies, wife to her wife, Jordana, and serial entrepreneur. She was a corporate lawyer in New York City until she started her own law practice in January, 2014. She then started a mama blog after the birth of her son, Parker, and two years ago, became a fitness and wellness coach after being a nationally competitive gymnast for 15 years. Of all the things she's done and all the awards she's won, mommy is her very favorite title of all. In this conversation, we talk about what sparked Jenna's shift from the traditional corporate attorney route to becoming an entrepreneur on her own terms, how she and Jordana tag team working and parenting from home, their experiences with reciprocal IVF, what it was like delivering during the early stages of the COVID-19 pandemic, her experience with postpartum anxiety. We talk about what helped her, plus we get some great ideas for supporting loved ones who are also going through it. We're all gonna know somebody. If it's not us, somebody we know could benefit from these tips. And then also how she shifted her approach to business in the early months and years of motherhood and a super smart strategy for being of service without actually taking on new clients. This was such a great idea. Hope you enjoy. All right, Jenna, let's do this. We have so many, I'm just was reading through your bio and taking all of these notes of things that I want to make sure to ask about. The first thing, welcome. I'm so excited to have Thank you on the podcast. <laughs> um, but I wanted to ask just as we set up the conversation, just to set the current snapshot and frame of reference of your balance of, and um, I say balance, but I mean like your mix of family and business over there. So currently in this moment, as we're recording, it's July, 2020. You have two kiddos. Tell me about like the setup over there in your family, in your home and your business.
1: Oh, man. Well, Josie is only she's 12 weeks today. So we've got got a a baby and um, Parker is three and a half. So you know, they both are still still require a lot of hands on <laughs> attention. And since there's no summer camp this summer, um, he's home with us full time. So, you know, Jordana, my wife works from home as well. We We have our own businesses. So we kind of, take turns <laughs> yeah. Um, you know who's who's on parent duty who's on working duty uh, obviously with now two kids it's kind of a tag team effort sometimes yeah. um, and I'm I'm nursing so you know I am breastfeeding all the time she's still you know eating all the time <laughs> um, so Jordana has really taken a lead on on business staff where I've taken a little bit of a step back you know just just having the baby and, and nursing and, recovering and basking in the newborn, you know, all that good stuff. Um, so right now I'm in the nursery, (laughs) um, which was our office. So right
0: now there's still a desk, but no crib.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Josie sleeps next to us anyway. So, right.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so business wise, you started Did Jordana have a business before you started your law practice? So you were in corporate law and then you started your Mm -hmm. own in 2014. Like when did that come together?
1: Yeah. Well, Jordana has been an entrepreneur for 13 years. Like, Oh, okay. Just, yeah. She's always been an entrepreneur. Um, and then for me, when I, when I met her, I was a corporate lawyer in New York city. Jordana had said to me, have you ever thought about having your own business? And I was like, No, absolutely not. You know, for me, I really thrive on structure and security and stability. And even though I was miserable, you're kind of you're comfortable with what you know. And for me, it was like, you know, my parents were hardworking, blue collar people and you work until you can live off your 401k. And so I was like, okay, well, that's, you know, that's my life. That's what I got. <laughs> you know, maybe I'll make enough that I can retire earlier than my parents could. Um, but as I was dating Juliana I saw the incredible impact that she was having on other women's lives. And then I got to meet so many other women entrepreneurs in. New York city and see the impact that they were making on other people. And like, I'd never heard of a life coach before. And I was like, or a business coach or like a health coach. I'm like, mm-hmm. what, this, what are those people doing? <laughs> I was like, literally when I met Jordana, she was a business coach. And I was like, who's hiring you? <laughs> like, right. like, what is, what are you? Um, so, you know, as I was meeting these other women and just kind of getting to know her industry, I saw a huge need for an attorney to help these women. Right. Like back then, you know, six years ago, there really weren't a lot of people doing what I do, like as a lawyer for entrepreneurs, like very, very few. So I was like, wow, there's like such a hole, you know, and a need for what I have to offer and what I already do, you know, let's just go for it. And you know, we started dating and I met her in June. By January, I had started my my own law practice. Like, just mm-hmm. took the leap of faith. And it has been a roller coaster. You know, a yeah. lot of ups, a lot of downs. But ultimately, like, now that I have children, like, I cannot even fathom leaving them every day to go work at an office.
0: Yeah. And it's just, it's a... Um... Of course, a valid choice, a hundred percent, but the lifestyle is so different. And it's interesting because just before we started recording, we were talking about pandemic and quarantine time and now we've shifted like our, our wake up times to two hours later. And it's just interesting in this moment in history of how people can make it work when especially like, you know, talking about school and kids going back to school. And is it going to be part-time full-time? It's like, there's so many parents right now who that was their rhythm. That was their flow to be getting up. Okay. Everybody ready, dressed, you go to school and I'm going to the office. And now that has shifted so much. So it does make me extra, extra thankful that we do have the flexibility. Of course there are benefits and drawbacks to it, but like having the flexibility, like that's such a huge thing. So Okay. And then both of the babies came through the miracle of reciprocal IVF. So I was going to talk mm-hmm. ab- or ask you about what was that process like when y'all decided, okay, it's time and we're going to start this process. How did that affect business stuff? Like what were the shifts that you made if any, and until you were actually pregnant? I mean, I, obviously mm-hmm. that's a huge thing to be going through.
1: Yeah. Um, it didn't really affect, going through the process didn't affect business so much um, yeah. as pregnancy did <laughs> yeah. and, and, and newborn life. Um, but I mean, in terms of IVF, like it requires a lot of doctor's appointments. Yeah. Um, so it was nice that we didn't have to, I didn't have to ask for time off. I didn't have to, because at one point when you're going through an egg retrieval, like an egg, so doing like the stimulation of your eggs so that you can extract them to fertilize them, um, you're going to the fertility clinic like every other day for, oh, wow. for like a good two week period. And, you know, you need an ultrasound and you need blood work and all of that. And so if we had to ask for time off for that, you mm-hmm. know, like I have friends who, who have actual jobs and they'd have to go in late every day, you mm-hmm. know, that it's, I can't imagine how how that would have been, especially as a lawyer, like to have to ask for that, you know, or like yeah. to not, or, or if you don't want to share that with people that you're going through that process, because it can be a very personal and very private experience. Yeah. Um, so I was, you know, extra grateful that that's not something that we had to worry about. And then on top of that, it's a very expensive <laughs> process. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just grateful that we had the finances to do that. And that we could say, okay, you know what, this is another $20,000 this month. Let's work a little harder that we weren't stuck at a capped salary (laughs) where, you know, we had to, to kind of budget for, for that experience. Um,
0: so yeah. (laughs) And then when you got pregnant with Parker, what was that like in terms of like, I'm just feeling so thankful. I got sick just because I was overheated last week. And I was just feeling oh, so thankful no. that I'm like, that, that was it. Like it's kind of one, one per pregnancy where I actually get sick. And I'm so thankful <laughs> that I'm one of those ridiculously lucky people who oh. it's just, you know, I might have felt a little crummy in the first trimester and like extra sleepy, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, so many people have it so much harder. So what was it like for you? And how were you still able to work? And that yeah, was one of both for either or both or were they comparable pregnancies?
1: Yeah, I was one of those people. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, with
1: Parker, I was six. I was very nauseous, very exhausted. I remember sleeping my first trimester, sleeping like 14, 16 hours a day. Yeah. And like being so grateful that I didn't have to get up and go to work and that, that I could also nap in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I would literally work probably from four to 10. Yeah. Like that, like besides that, I was, I was like sleeping, I was taking care of myself. I was exercising. Um, and then it was just a whole lot of sleeping. Um, with Josie, I was deathly sick, Mm. like so, so violently sick. My first trimester, I was on two different nausea meds, um, and completely, non-functional the entire first trimester. So I wasn't working at all. Really. Um, fortunately, you know, the, our, the wellness business that we have, we run together. Jordana could really take the lead on that. Um, in terms of legal stuff, it would, I mean, I was just sleeping. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Look, you know, and, but, and then also like to have a toddler the second time. Right. It's different. You can't just taking that, like you can the first time that's for sure. (laughs) Oh my gosh, so so different. I mean, like, thank goodness again that Jordana's home with me that in the afternoons I could nap. Yeah. And Parker was in school last year, <laughs> you know, for part of the year. So mm-hmm. when he was in school, I would nap <laughs> yeah. for a few hours. I would work, you know, like maybe two hours if he was in school. Um, but there it involved I would literally go to bed when he went to bed at like yeah. 8 30. Like I was just so again, I don't know how I would have functioned at a corporate job. Like, I don't know how women do it. Like if, you know, anyone here is working and pregnant and like, you guys are superheroes. I yeah. really don't, don't know how people do it. Um, yes, yeah, so I had pretty, pretty awful pregnancies and then second trimester was pretty good for both of them. And then at the end, just a lot of pain. I'm very tiny yeah. and I, and I had big babies. So, you Know, I had so much back pain.
0: Um, you know, I just
1: there was a lot of there was a lot of couch time,
0: <laughs> right? Which is like divine design to prep, like, you're so uncomfortable that you welcome <laughs> the next yes. version of discomfort in the fourth yes. trimester because it's like, yes. all right, fine, I, I'll just switch, let's just trade, it'll be yes. fine. Or when you're working three times in the middle of the night, so yes. how did having Parker shift? business for you like once he was here so I I started my business and Bryson was already 18 months but when I had Deacon four and a half years ago that was my first experience with like going through pregnancy, labor delivery, postpartum, all of that while the business already existed. So yeah. for you, you had the business first and then you had him. So what was that like? How did it shift things?
1: So um when I was pregnant with Parker, I was still doing launches and stuff like that. So okay. I had obviously planned my launches out around pregnancy and delivery. Um, so I had Parker in January and I had a launch that we did in the fall. And then I had planned another launch for that following, I think May. So I was still doing some work after I had him, but I wasn't doing any big launches for a few months. Um, I was also promoting a a few other programs. So I had, I had scheduled out, all of my emails and everything to go out, you know, January, February, yeah. so that that was already set up. I took, I can't say that I ever took like a full X amount of time off because, you know, you could check your email on your phone, right? And, you know, and, and babies sleep so much mm-hmm. that you end up having a little more time than you realize and it's funny because now that I have two (laughs) I'm like what was I thinking having one thinking that I had my hands full (laughs) you know because you realize it's
0: incremental it's incremental
1: (laughs) (laughs) right well it's funny because like Josie just sleeps so much that I'm like oh my goodness, if I only had her right now, like I would be the most productive human ever. (laughs) Parker's three and a half, but he doesn't nap anymore. So, you know, you're just constantly on the go. So I think that for me, the biggest thing, having a baby was about prioritizing time Mm -hmm. and really like having a schedule of sorts, you know, um, just being productive, making sure that, I got work done, you know, during nap time, obviously this is nap time empires, (laughs) you know, nap time was, you know, you get this solid block of time where you could really sit down and focus and know that you were going to get hopefully (laughs) an hour to, you know, two, two and a half hours of work done. And then I'm very productive at night. So for me, it was also like after bedtime. Yeah so it's kind of like sleepy empires for me, yeah, you know, when, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, just saying, okay, like I'm, I had to be okay with not getting things done before like 8 PM sometimes, yeah, you know, there's just so much that you can't predict. And I had to learn to be okay with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah and I think that's probably one of the biggest causes of stress is when we have unrealistic expectations of what we can do, especially if we are home with the kiddos, whether you do have your partner home or you're solo parenting, it's like just being able to take a real good, honest look at like, here's what the situation is right now for this season in this moment. And then once you've got a few days or weeks of that under your belt, you can really realize like, okay, yeah. This is just not going to happen until, <laughs> until afterwards. Yeah. And then of course, if somebody has a fever or like in those other exceptional cases, even bedtime isn't so predictable or nap time is thrown off for a little bit, yep. but then it catches back <laughs> into whatever the new rhythm is and working with that rather than fighting it is a key. That's one of the things where I'm like, if we could just lower the bar, just, just yes. low enough to get a grip, you know, like just low enough to get a grip. And then, cause otherwise we're always just looking at it and just like mad, like no. But that's not how it's Well, but that is how it is right now in this moment. And that's okay. Yes, I love that. I love that. It's like, that's how it is now, but
1: it's not forever.
0: Right. And it feels like forever, especially when it's the first time, right? Like I'm sure these 12 weeks, you you had such a different perspective because you've been through those 12 weeks before with Parker. And you're like, oh gosh, in the moment, it feels like they're going to be teeny tiny newborns forever. And then the next thing you know, you're changing their clothes out of the three months to the six months. And it's like, what? I know we've been putting some of her stuff away and it's like, oh my gosh. So on that note, because I have seen lots of cute clothes tagged on your Instagram account. um, When and how did this, the mom blogging piece start and how did that start and how does that work and what are you loving about it? What's yeah. Tell me the deal.
1: So I decided to start when I think, I don't think I, I think it was right after it was either right after Parker or when I was pregnant with Parker, I was probably right after I had him. And I just, for me, like being a mom and like having my kids is like my greatest joy. And I think my greatest accomplishment ever. And I just am very passionate about talking about it, about fertility and pregnancy and motherhood and toddlerhood and the craziness that it is and how hard it is and how wonderful it is and Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know all of that. And so writing has always been very cathartic for me. And so I wanted to just start writing about it. And I wanted to share about our fertility journey. And I wanted to share about postpartum depression and mental health in general. And what are my favorite mom, you know, and baby items and stuff like that? Like, how can I help somebody else who might be going through what I'm going through, what I went through? Um, and again, it was healing for me to write that. Yeah. So I said, you know, I'm going to start a blog and, it, and it, I've, I'm i not consistent about it. I'm trying to get a little more consistent at this point. Um, but it was just a way to get my experiences out on paper and, and heal some parts of yeah. what I've been through. And hopefully others can, can kind of relate because I, I did have really bad postpartum anxiety after Parker. And I had never even heard of postpartum anxiety. I'd only known about postpartum depression
0: yeah so what let's pause there and what did that look like for you and how did it show up to where you recognized okay this is a thing you know this isn't necessarily how I have to be feeling right now or to accept Mm -hmm. exactly how this is yeah
1: yeah so I think you know in the beginning your hormones are just everywhere um and I I think you don't know what to expect after yeah Yeah. um and it took me a while to realize that it wasn't quote-unquote normal, what I was going through. Um, it got to the point where I couldn't really leave Parker Mm. and I would be paranoid constantly, just like constantly worrying about everything. If he got a, if he like got a tiny little bump, I would start crying, Mm. um, fell off the bed and I had, he was totally fine. I had a full blown panic attack. Mm. Um, and I'd never experienced that before. And I like Jordana would say to me, Hey, like, let me take him. Like, you know, I'll take him. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I got him. Like I wouldn't let people help. And I broke down at probably like six or seven weeks postpartum. I was just beyond exhausted, you know, like, and then I was trying to do everything by myself Mm -hmm. and not, not because other people weren't trying to help. I was just not taking it. And I just had a full on breakdown. Um, And I had another friend who had a baby two days after me and we would talk a lot and she was very anxious as well. <laughs> so I thought it was normal for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I just, and then like, I think that when I had that panic attack, I was like, this is not okay. Like yeah. I am not okay right now. Um, and so I talked to my therapist. I talked to, I had a life coach at the time and I, um, I upped my medicine. I, you know, I talked to Parker's pediatrician and my doctor and just, you know, just about my experience and what I was going through. And they were like, you know, this, this isn't just normal baby blues, (laughs) you know? So, um, it was hard. (laughs) It was really, really hard. And since I knew that I was prone to that, I was very proactive this go around of like having some tools in place before delivery to make sure that I would be okay.
0: Yeah. So what were some of those tools? And then also what was the best way for your friends and family to support you in that time? You know, because if it's not something we're experiencing firsthand, chances are very high that somebody that we know and love is going to experience some level of postpartum anxiety or depression. So what was helpful to you then and then what was helpful to you this round just in preparing to know that it might happen again. Yep. So I think that just having people, you know, come to your laundry. Yeah.
1: Change the sheets on your bed, cook, cook some meals, like just have some meals prepared for you. Um, you know, if if you can allow them to watch the baby and go take a nap for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um again, that was hard for me to not be fully a hundred percent present. Like I felt that I, as a mom needed to do everything, you yeah. know, and like, you feel like you should be able to. Um, so if you can, and I highly encourage, take people up on that map, yeah. you know, take people up on that. Um, my therapist actually gave me homework assignments of leaving the house without Parker, even if it was to go for a walk mm. or go, literally she would tell me, go to Starbucks and get a coffee, like by yourself. Go get your nails done. Do something just you, and then also do things with Jordana because you're not just a mom. Yeah, because um, it just took it just took me over. Um, this time, so I did placenta encapsulation with Parker, mm-hmm. and that helped tremendously. And the reason Ooh. I know it helps is because I was so after delivery, I started taking one pill a day. When I realized I was struggling, I opted to three and I noticed a really big change in my mood um, and in my energy. So I did that again with Josie. I planned that ahead of time. I, um, you know, spoke with my psychiatrist and right before I delivered Josie, I upped my medicine. So I'm on Zoloft Mm -hmm. um, to my antidepressants and I immediately, I like upped it two days before delivery. Um, I was induced, so I was like, "Okay, I'm going to up, up it today." And I've um, kept up on that dose. Um, I knew that some days I was going to need to take more of the placenta pills than others, so I was aware of that. This time, I'm very able to ask for help. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I know that I can't do it by myself. Um, You know, my parents, thank God, have been so extremely helpful, and with a pandemic <laughs> was definitely right. a very interesting time to have a baby. Um, but my parents were both not working and we have just seen them since the beginning. So we kind of quote unquote, quarantined with them.
0: Right. So In your social bubble. <laughs> grandparents. They are, made that. Exactly. They made it because we had already
1: been seeing them every day and they weren't working. Yeah. Um, so they, every afternoon for three months, took Parker for a few hours and I would sleep. So Josie would go down and then I would sleep every afternoon (laughs) for the, for like the first eight weeks. I was like, I know I need this. Um, And then again, very willing to ask for help. So in the middle of the night, I would wake up Jordana and be like, can you put her back down so that I can just go back to sleep? Like after Mm -hmm. I would feed her. before I used to think I can do it I should be able to do it I'm fine you know like let's let her sleep like
0: no I was like no no (laughs) that's very kind of you (laughs) I am not I am so petty I'm like no especially now that he doesn't have like the day job with the navy to go to this time or he was like deployed you know he left when Jeremy or when Deacon was like three weeks old he left for another like two and a half month half deployment basically, like met a boat that was already out in the ocean. So I'm like, oh no, I'm taking full
1: advantage. Oh, i no, you know what? I, I don't know how you did that all by yourself. I know, <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> Oh my it's gosh, right? um, but then also, I, I think <laughs> showering every day like, mm-hmm. like, that is it's so funny how something so simple. Is like the most joyous, wondrous experience after yeah. you have a child <laughs> right. that I was like, okay, every day I'm just going to at least just go in and rinse up and have like a little bit of quiet time and, and a little bit of self-care and all of that. Um, those are kind of the, and then I knew that I wanted to get back into like a workout routine um For me, fitness has always been a mental health saver, yeah. so I knew that I wanted to get back into that as quickly as possible. Um I had some postpartum delivery issues, so I hadn't been able mm. to work out a ton. Um, but you know, just knowing ahead of time like what helps me, yeah, and what I need, and being willing to ask for it, I think has just been, it's been completely different. It's been a game changer. This experience has been so different. Thank God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. Because again, if someone's listening and it's their first time going through this, then these are all just valuable nuggets to think about because it's easy to think about, okay, we need diapers and wipes, and we need a place for baby to sleep, and we need a car seat or a stroller, blah, blah, blah. And it's also easy to think on the business side about, what you want to prepare and get those emails ready or have the podcast recorded, but not as many people are thinking about or talking about what do you as an individual need to be able to be prepared to weather this, you know, like, and not to compare it to hurricane, but like a hurricane preparedness kit, like an emergency kit, because you just don't know. Like, even for me, this is the third baby, but I don't know. I've never had this baby before. I've never had Great. a baby at age 35. I've never Great. in this moment and season of life. So you just don't know. So it's a beautiful thing to just know your options, know different ways it could go and then be prepared accordingly so yeah. that it's and not I like, Oh, that, I didn't even
1: know this could happen. You know? It, yeah. And I think that like one thing is that people have said to me that made so much more sense because it, well, I think when you're a mom, you become very selfless. Um, yeah. and that, and you kind of, at least for me, i I like put my kids first, but like to my detriment sometimes, Yeah. but you know, what people have said to me is that if you're not okay, your kids are not okay. Yeah. And so if you can, and for me, like thinking of it that way, I was like, oh shoot, you know, like I need to take care of me or I'm not going to be the best mom for my kids. 100%. Or if I don't take care of me, my business could fall apart, <laughs> yeah. you know? So
0: yeah. <laughs> it's the proverbial oxygen mask. Cause I know I'm like, okay, well I'll be a grouchy a-hole. And that was the one thing that for sure with, you know, Bryson was four. Yeah. He was, he had just turned four. So I had Bryson that needed to get to preschool and I was so thankful that he could go to preschool. Like he went just mornings for three days and then he would stay through the afternoon on two days. And then I'd come back home with Diki and sometimes we would just fall asleep or whatever, but I did Mm -hmm. have like a neighbor and a friend who would alternate that a few mornings a week, I would have one of them over, and it would literally just be sometimes so that I could sleep like just loving, capable yeah. adult hands that could hang out yes. and play with him or just listen for him or whatever. And it was like the most profitable priority was literally to take a nap because I knew, yeah, come time to pick up Bryson and then get the whole dinner time, bath time, bedtime routine like I was going to be good for nothing if I was completely exhausted. So it was worth the extra, like. for the hour or $30 or whatever (laughs) to be able to just have those extra hands. It'll be also very interesting. This is our first time having a baby here in our village, you know, like where my parents and my sisters are just a short drive away. So that'll be an interesting thing too, but I'm so grateful that you did have your parents there that they could be available too. And I just also want to rewind. What was it like For you, like how did your birth experience with Josie, did that shift and was like, were you planning to probably have your mom with you in addition to having Jordana there? Like, what was that like for you and how did things shift when it was pandemic time or was it not really that big of a difference?
1: So with Parker, my mom was there and with Jordana and I had a very traumatic delivery with Parker. Mm -hmm. Um and it kind of my mom like still has PTSD from it. Oh no. <laughs> so so she didn't I don't I think if I wanted her there, she gladly would have, but I don't know if she wanted to experience that again. Yeah. <laughs> um I didn't want to experience that again. Right. So actually up until um a week and a half before I delivered, we planned on a C-section. Because yeah. I had a very traumatic delivery with Parker. He got stuck. There was a vacuum. A nurse had to jump on me to get him out. Like, it was oh three and a half hours of pushing. It was bad. Yeah. Um, not common, but not good. Yeah. So my doctor had said, you're never doing that again. Like, that was terrible. You're going to have C-sections moving forward. So literally, until I was 35 weeks pregnant, C-section planned, scheduled. Halfway through my pregnancy, I had to switch OB practices because mine dismantled. So... Mm-hmm switch practices. I was like, this is what happened. We're doing a C-section at my like 35 week appointment or whatever. She said, um, just so you know, that like if you get to the hospital and you're like nine centimeters, we're going to encourage you to push. And I was like, "Uh, okay, like great. And then every like subsequent appointment, they were like, have you considered a vaginal delivery? And I was like, why are we talking about this at this point? You know what I mean? Um, I, thought I went into early labor. I was like contracting every three minutes for an hour plus. So I went into triage at 37 weeks and they were like, have you considered a bathroom delivery? And, you know, I was like, no, you know, but like, talk to me, like why, yeah. you know, and, and they went through the whole, you know, it's better for you and the baby. It's an easier recovery, blah, 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 whatever. Um, so because Josie was a girl. There's a, they have a different body shape. So the like, Oh yeah. So notice. yeah. So they said to me, so Parker got stuck. It's called shoulder dystocia. His shoulder got stuck in my pelvis. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be based on my anatomy, but mm-hmm. we don't know. Mm-hmm. But they said that girls structures are a little bit different. And because I was earlier at that point, Parker was overdue. She'd be a little smaller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, would you consider it? So I was like, Sure. If I'm in labor right now, like let's talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. Well, they sent me home. I was one centimeter, and so at my next appointment, um my doctor, who was actually somebody that I know, she had come from my other practice, was like, "Let's talk about a vaginal delivery." And now she was with my other practice, so she knew everything that had happened before. Yeah. And after just kind of talking to her about it, and like. Thinking and feeling through it all, I said, "Okay, let's go for it." But I want to be induced at thirty-nine weeks, so I was supposed to have a C-section on April eighth. And I said, "If you will induce me on April eighth, I will try because because then she'd be smaller, right? Right. Um, You're like,
0: we're not going full on here.
1: There's limits to how big we're growing, yeah, for sure. And she was already measuring, like, so Parker was eight seven. Um, she was already measuring like on track with him and I'm not even five one. So really? like I'm tiny, big babies, big babies. Right. So she said, let me talk to the doctor who's on call that day because it's up to her to approve it. And she did. And the doctor said, yes. So, so really I had like not even 10 days to entirely change my birth plan. Yeah. Um, my mom wasn't allowed there anyway. Yeah. Um, and So it was a very different experience in terms of it being a pandemic. Um, But once you're in that room and once you're in labor, you you don't realize it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, obviously, like they were masked and they probably wouldn't have been. Um, You know, I don't I don't know. Maybe my nurse wouldn't have been. I don't remember. Right. Um, The only now and. And just as an aside, like it was a very beautiful and wonderful birthing experience that time. Thank God. Um, the The difference was after. It was very notable that there was mm-hmm. a pandemic. After, um, I could see into COVID ICU units. Oh wow! <laughs> from my room with the shields and the gowns, and the, and it was very like alien, creepy, right? And, and everyone coming in masked and gloved and hair, made, you know, head things on and yeah um you know no visitors at all were allowed right um which in some ways was kind of nice to just be yeah. the three of us yeah for that time when we knew we were going to come home into chaos right <laughs> the toddler yeah. um yeah
0: Okay, cool. Thank you for sharing that again, selfishly. Cause I'm like uh, this, I don't even know when this, when our, this podcast conversation is going to be airing. It might even be already after I've, I've mm. delivered, but I'm like, yeah, our hospital policy currently is one named visitor. So that'll be Jeremy dad. And then um, you mm. can have a paid professional doula. So I'm like talking to oh, different wow. doulas. Cause I, my mom's like, no, but you're finally here. She mm. was there for Dicky. She just missed Bryson because he came early. Um, she had originally planned to come on the day that he actually ended up coming three at 37 and a half weeks. But, um, So, but again, like they'll be able to be here afterwards for all of those early days and weeks. So I, I love hearing that because it is, it's like, it's a nice thing to just have that baby bubble. And I do remember the first night with Bryson where again, originally my parents were going to be there, but then we were like, no, hang on. It's our anniversary. It's our last anniversary without a baby. Yeah. Right. It Mm -hmm. wasn't, (laughs) but, um, but I'll never forget those moments of just waking up and, and seeing him like holding him and thinking, Oh my gosh there he is, you know, or like feeling him breathe on my cheek and just Uh, knowing like that's just our little, exactly until you come home and then it's like big brother, we'll, we'll have two big brothers, you know, and (laughs) and then we figure out our new, new normal and new transition. Okay. So all of these things considered, how would you say being a mom has shifted you and how you show up in your business? You know, obviously it has shifted because you did start the blog and then you've got Mm -hmm. different brand partnerships and things related to this journey and this part Mm -hmm. and this season. But how do you think it has shifted you as an entrepreneur in in all the ways, like as a lawyer, even in Mm -hmm. just how you, you know, what you care about and how you're showing up? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm a completely different person. Yeah. Um, it has made me be much less of a perfectionist. Like I was so type A and now no, like I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> like done is better than perfect. And you know, you just have to be okay with you're gonna make you're gonna make some small errors. I you know, I'm gonna send newsletters with typos and I'm gonna, you know, have messy. Like I said to you before that I'm so glad this is an audio because I just, you know, I have messy bun and, yeah, <laughs> you know, it is. just spit, spit up on my sweatshirt and, yeah. you know, it's, it's really just about caring less about the insignificant things yeah, and it really is about focused productivity and prioritizing. I say no a lot more now. Yeah. because I, because I have to, and it's good for me though, because I, I used to be like a people pleaser and say yes to everything, even if I didn't want to do something or if it was just not to my benefit. And I I don't anymore. And I think that that's amazing. You know, you just, you, my mom always said that you grow such a backbone as a mom yeah, becoming a mother. And it's so true because you really do need to look out for you and your kids and make sure that you are taking the time away from them that is
0: going to benefit them. Yeah. And you have new people to please at a much deeper level. Of course, not that we can control. (laughs) Like it's not like our, like when people are saying, I just want you to be happy. Well, that's also an unrealistic expectation for our kids. They're going to have all the feelings (laughs) and that's okay. And we we can't control it and we can't be over (laughs) responsible for them. But I'm feeling that even I was sharing with one of my buddies in Boxer the other day, I'm like, I'm just really feeling that like, okay, I'm increasing my capacity to hold space for these people literally. And so I'm just getting a lot pickier about what are the touch points that I want to be sharing out in the world and who do I want to be serving deeper? And it's really just like, I'm just craving the inner circle that I already know, love and trust of Mm -hmm. friends, clients, and of course, kiddos and partner (laughs) and just going deeper rather than wider, at least in this season. And that may be completely different this time next year. But for now, it's like, these yeah. are the people, these are my people. And obviously very intentionally and grateful that we were able to bring them into the world, but it was definitely mm-hmm. by no accident. I mean, your babies are yeah. so wanted <laughs> and so loved yeah, I mean, and everything that y'all went through to bring them here that it's like, okay, this is a, this is a time. And they do grow so yeah. fast. They grow so fast that it's, you know, I i've been the
1: past 12 weeks working so so very minimally yeah. because i know how fast this time goes that is what is so important to me and you know I, I mean i i show up for the people i need to show up for and i i say no to a lot of other things and i refer a lot of business out actually because I it's just, a
0: beautiful thing yeah and that'll come back thing. to you eventually it surely will <laughs>
1: Yeah, I just I want to I want to be with my babies and I want to spend time with them. And, you know, I know that at this moment in time that these people would be better served by somebody
0: else who can give them a lot more attention, Um, you know, and yeah. That's actually a really great point. And I'm going to make note of that because that's another baby proofing biz nesting tip that I haven't heard mentioned before, which is to really build a list of people that you know, love and trust that you can refer people to. And Mm -hmm. that's going to make your nose a lot easier because it's still a give and it's being generous by being like, hey, I'm not currently serving people in that capacity, but this person is, and this person Mm -hmm. is amazing and you'll be in great hands. And that'll really help take any like, because again, (laughs) then it's a great thing. It's a win-win for that person. And that person's going to remember you when it is time and you do have more interest or capacity if and when that is. And then that'll come back around.
1: Totally. Um, I actually had that on my email responder with Parker. So I did have like the out of office, and I was like, if you need another alert, like, here is that, whatever. Like, I just had that as an automatic resource for people right away.
0: That is smart. Okay. What else would I like to ask you, Jenna? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, day to day, And now it's, you know, again, it's a different time right now. We don't know how long things are going to be, however they are. And preschools are closed or different. And depending on which area you're in currently in Houston and the area where I am, it's super intense right now at the highest level of whatever. So we're actually considering, okay, what does homeschooling look like? You know, Bryson's going to be going Mm -hmm. into third grade. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? They have an online option as well with his school school. So we might do that, but we're just looking at all these options and figuring out like what is our ideal school year look like as we're transitioning yeah. to family of five and blah, blah, blah. So what does that look like for y'all? Like, what is your ideal mix of obviously now with both kids at home, if that might be an indefinite thing, who knows? What yeah. does your ideal flow and, and day-to-day look like over there?
1: Yeah, well, we've decided we are not sending Barger back to school next year yeah. um, until things clear up. Yeah, school will be will be open, um, but we are not. So, you know, for us, it is going to be very much figuring out a structure of who is with the baby Mm -hmm. and who is with Parker, Um, you know, as I'm now easing myself back into doing a lot more in, in business. So, you know obviously with Josie, like we're working on getting her a sleep schedule. <laughs> yeah. Once we have a sleep schedule for her, that will dictate a whole lot in terms of, okay, somebody, one of us can have very intentional work time while the other one is with Parker. Um, so since we're not sending him to school, we will, we have a lot of Montessori type um, works and activities here at home. And he hasn't been in school since early March. So we've been trying to you know, kind of week by week have different setups in terms of structure and in terms of, of a curriculum. I mean, quote unquote, curriculum is three and a half. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, it is a lot of, for us, learning through play. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just going to have to continue. And we're going to have to give ourselves a whole lot of grace in that there will probably be not be a ton of learning. And it's going to just have to be like a ton of, love and attention and play and
0: that's it dude that's everything though <laughs> like I've I for real like I'm in this zone and I'm reading about unschooling for example and I could give you all kinds of podcasts and books that I'm listening to and reading too but it's like really that is the most valuable thing and it's only in the last what 100 or 150 years of human history where we've actually tried to force and put the structure on it, you know? So yeah, 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 you're good. You're golden. It's a beautiful thing. Right. Right. I mean,
1: I think that at this age too, I mean, I have to think about the fact that there are a lot of kids who don't go to school until kindergarten. Totally. You know what I mean? And that like, they're totally fine and they're totally competent beings. And at this stage, what I can instill in Parker, which I think is so incredibly important is security and love. And family, and you know what a beautiful thing for a three-year-old to to fully experience his parents' attention, and mm-hmm. and you know. So while I would love for him to be learning his letters and numbers and writing and you know doing all of that, um, we can't get this time back. And you know, so we're just trying to embrace that. And there's a whole lot of chaos and a lot of tantrums and you know, frustration, (laughs) but also it's been a really, really wonderful bonding time for our family, especially, um, especially like right before Josie was born to have that time with Parker that we would not have had otherwise.
0: Yes. A hundred percent. And that's the same thing we're going through over here too. The other night I was watching them. We have a pool here in our, that was one of my things. I'm like, if we're moving from Hawaii to (laughs) Texas, at the very least, we need to have a really cool backyard (laughs) so that we can ease the transition. And so the boys were in the pool last night and I was just sitting there like, this is a really special gift that we've been given Mm. to be able to really like embrace this last season as a four pack, you know? I mean, she's here, but she's not on the outside yet. So it's like being able to embrace this season for exactly what it is. And again, conflict is inevitable, of course. And so some days they are or (laughs) some minutes they're fighting and some minutes they're being so sweet with each other. And I'm like, they're learning though, right? And that was one of the things I was reading in this book called Free to Learn. I think the author's name is Peter Gray. I'll put a link in the show notes for anyone interested um, in learning or reading more about it. But it was just cool to talk about how the power of play with kids of different age groups, right? Because then the younger Mm -hmm. kids are learning the skills and things from the older kids and the older kids are learning and practicing nurturing and mentorship and leadership and that kind of thing. And then that just continues throughout life, right? Mm Because it's like, when you think about school, it's all based on the pecking order of what grade are you in? Oh, if you're in sixth grade and I'm in seventh grade, (laughs) I'm cooler than you. Whereas now we're like, we're all of our friends living on the internet. I don't even know how old my friends are, <laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, it's cool. It's actually really cool to learn and see the parallels in these kinds of conversations about learning through play. Because I'm like, oh, shoot, these are the mm. conversations I'm having with my friends in our 30s, learning, <laughs> like unlearning what you were saying about the work, yes. work, work, and then do this and just follow this step-by-step thing. And it's like, oh, right. If they can actually really embody this and we cannot like... Squeeze and systemize that out of them. I wonder where they'll be, you know, when they're in their thirties. So, yes, yeah, okay, cool, love it. Thank you for sharing everything that you've shared. Is there anything we haven't covered? Any final nugget or something that you want to share on the record with our fellow naptime empire builder through the earbuds?
1: Uh, You know, just give yourself a whole lot of grace. There motherhood is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. It's also the hardest job I will ever have, yeah. but one that I am so eternally grateful for. And you have to have to have to find your tribe. I mean, I don't know what I would do without my mom friends. They keep me sane. Yeah. They, they're there when you're like, how much dosage of Tylenol do I give my child? You know, it's like mm-hmm. just the silly little questions that you have or like the craziness of motherhood when you just want to you know like scream your head off (laughs) so just finding your own tribe people that are going to be there for you and support you and love you no matter what is so essential so 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 essential and to just honestly like don't judge another mom don't judge other people for what they do because I used to do that and then I became a mom and I was like oh yep definitely
0: shouldn't judge that person for that. Cause I'm going to do the same thing. 100, <laughs> um, Right. I'm like, don't <laughs> the judgment that we put on ourselves. Right. And that's what we're projecting. Cause if we, if, if they're doing something that we would judge ourselves for, then that's just the mirror of a reflection of like, Oh, right. That right. goes back to point number one, <laughs> grace and a community and mm-hmm. just giving other people grace too, because we all need it. We're all learning as we go. Every new person, every new person that's born, even if it's the third round, fifth round, first round, whatever it yeah. is, like, this dynamic has never existed before. Exactly. So, exactly. Learning on the job. Mm-hmm. All right. And I'm going to put all the links and things in the show notes, but where just while we're still in audio form for people who don't actually feel like tapping to click <laughs> over to the show notes, where can we find yeah. you online?
1: Amazing. So I live on Instagram. It's my favorite at Jenna Jaffe, G-E-N-A-J-A-F-F-E. And my website is jennajaffe.com where I have all of my legal stuff as well as my mom blog and some fitness resources as, again, that's like my mental sanity saver.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, Jenna, for taking time. Please tell Jordana hi and thank you for doing her part on the other side. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I hope you all have a great day over there. We'll talk Mm -hmm. soon. Your homework for this episode, if you're up for it. If you're pregnant or you know someone who is or someone who recently had a baby, even if it's you, use this conversation as inspiration to take time for a check-in. Check on your strong friends, as they say. Jenna shared her experience with postpartum anxiety, some of her personal mental health savers, but I wanna know, what are some of yours? Tag us on Instagram, post a screenshot. She's at Jenna Jaffe. I'm at Nikki LH Brown. And while you're here in your favorite podcasting app, I would so appreciate it if you would take 60 seconds to leave a rating and review. I read everyone and truly appreciate you taking the time. Helps more people find us in the book. All right. That's it for this time. Catch you in the next episode. This show may be over, but the conversation is just beginning head on over to naptimeempires.com slash Facebook so you can join my free, wait, did I say free? I meant priceless, rapidly growing community of Naptime Empire builders for deeper discussions, behind the scenes scoop, and of course, updates whenever I've got new stuff coming up for you. naptimeempires.com slash Facebook. See you there. See you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. Good job, buddy.